0: On today's episode of the Dad Tired Podcast, I sit down with author Brent Crowe to talk about how Jesus can offer our family stability in the midst of really chaotic times. We also talk about how to protect your family from alligators and other really practical ways to lead your family well. Just as a reminder, every December, we do a giving campaign where we try to raise funds for the upcoming year. In 2022, we have a lot of big dreams. Our goal is to get more of you Dad Tired guys together in person. We have a lot of really good community happening online, but We just want to see more of the dad-tired guys actually meeting face-to-face where their families are getting together, their kids are playing with each other, and you can just meet other like-minded dudes who live near you. And so we want to create dad-tired chapters and meetups and all that kind of stuff. But we also have a really big goal of creating an annual dad-tired retreat. And this would be where the dad-tired guys from all over the country and even world, if we had guys who were willing enough to fly in and we would book an amazing camp. We would have great speakers and worship leaders who are pouring into the Dad Tired Guys. Of course, there'd be good food and games and activities and meeting other like-minded dudes and all that kind of stuff. But ultimately, we just want to see more guys getting together and we would love to have a big Dad Tired Retreat every year. If you want to help us accomplish this goal, obviously it takes a lot of resources and manpower. We need volunteers. We need financial assistance to do that along with all the other things that we do here at Dad Tired. Um, and so we're asking you, if you would join us, to become a monthly partner. If you've considered doing that in the past and you just kind of put it off, I'm telling you, even 5 or 10 bucks a month helps us a ton, especially those monthly gifts, because then we can budget accordingly. Obviously, we love the one-time donations, but if you're able to join us monthly, that really helps us plan for the whole year. So anyway, if you'd like to be part of that, we'd love to have you join us. You can go to dadtired.com forward slash give. Again, that's Dad Tired forward slash give. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to thank my friends over at Samaritan Ministries for making today's episode possible. Samaritan Ministries is a biblical solution to healthcare where hundreds of thousands of Christians across the nation bear one another's medical burdens through prayer and financial support. It's not insurance and there are no network restrictions, which means you choose the doctors, treatments, and hospitals that are right for you. Medical bills are sent to Samaritan Ministries, and they notify members to pray and send money directly to you to help pay those bills. It's affordable with a sharing program that could fit your budget, and you can join today. Samaritan Ministries is always there to help you choose a quality healthcare provider, to price medical procedures, and 24-7 access to medical professionals by phone or email to get medical advice before you visit the doctor, which is going to save you time and money. When you think about Samaritan Ministries, you think about the verse in Galatians 6, 2, which says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. If you'd like to learn more about this amazing community, you can go to org slash DadTired. Again, that's org slash DadTired. Brent, super excited, man, to meet you and hang out with you. I'm already like in love with your background, your setup here. For for the guys who aren't watching on YouTube, it looks like your kids have taken over on that back wall. Like, there's no better way, there's no better yeah. background for a dad tired podcast interview than to have yeah. kids artwork in the back. You're so
1: kind you to say back? that. How many kids? Like, I literally, <laughs> if they make me a picture, I just cover my wall wall with it, and it. There's, it doesn't coordinate in colors. It doesn't coordinate. the only thing it coordinates is, is that they love me. Their artwork is everywhere. And uh, some of it doesn't, some of it looks like Picasso on, on drugs, but it, it, it's still
0: beautiful. <laughs> well, I think all of Picasso's work kind of looks like it was, on drugs. <laughs> I, I, it doesn't, I don't know anything about art, so I can't really. Yeah. And I'm curious too, with seeing that much artwork, I'm because I know a lot of dads are going to hear this and like, they'll fall on one side or the other of this fence, but I've got a little bit of OCD. And I've mm. got, I've got three girls and a boy. And my, one of my daughters is just like art all day. It's just, mm. so if I hung up her art, we would have no more wall space in our yes. house by like the end of the week. Yes. So where do you fall? Like, so what, here's what I did. I bought a, on Amazon, like a, like a paper holder <laughs> container. Mm. And I'm like, thank you, baby. You're so awesome. I love that you, and I love that you did this for me. And I put it in that container and it's actually, it's in this closet behind me. I save yeah. them. I don't toss all of them out, but I also, am, I guess not as good of a dad as you are. Cause you got it. No. Displayed. Hey, listen, this
1: is just, well, I got six kids. So this is just the last eight months. So once a okay. year I clear the wall.
0: Okay. So there is a, there is a clearing process.
1: Yes. We purge and then we, uh, start over and there's usually this i don't know if it's the you know how you rediscover a toy that you forgot that you really loved you know i don't know if you ever watched your kids do this i'm watching my son do this right now with an old train set and so when the wall gets cleared they're like oh gosh let's do art so for the first month it's this influx of of pictures and then after that it's uh, a little here and there so
0: six kids man you're like becoming the mascot of dad tired
1: I don't know what I'm becoming. the ma- I'm becoming the mascot of tired. That's for sure.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Three are recently adopted. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Tell us that story, man. Like that was during COVID, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, That was right when, when COVID actually about a month and a half after COVID had hit. So to tell the story, I got to give just a, a hint of backstory. Yeah, My yeah. wife and I wanted to adopt years ago. I'm 43 right now in our early 30s. You know, we we had had three homemade children, and by the way, I use the phrase homemade children. A friend of mine, who's a, kind of a somebody I look up to and listen to a lot, mentor, if you will, in this adoption foster yeah. care world, yeah. he goes, I quit. I don't use the word bio kids. He goes, mm-hmm. I they're all biological kids. I just go, I got some that are homemade and some that are adopted. So I I've always like that. liked I like that, that perspective. Yeah. So, anyways, we had three homemade kids, and we really wanted, felt like impressed on the Lord to adopt. We had had a timeline and the timeline was when I finish all my, my educational stuff, I was working on a doctorate when that's done. Okay. Then we jump into adoption. Okay. Well, we did. Our mentality was let's jump in and, and, and work from the inside out of the system. Let's not go through an agency or a lawyer and jump to the front of the line, which there's nothing wrong with, by the way. Mm-hmm. let's just go through the normal hey we walked in and just how do we do this so mm-hmm. we did all the classes all the home studies all the we had the registries and and then nothing
0: mm-hmm.
1: like we went through six seven eight uh, uh social workers in in three years
0: i'm going to pause you because i'm a little bit confused but i'm curious about this yeah so if you want to adopt there's it sounds like what you just described is maybe two different worlds there's like a you can hire, just mm-hmm. say, like a lawyer, and and how does that? How, I guess how do, how do the two options compare? And I'm asking you because I know there are a lot of guys who are listening who are thinking about adoption. They're praying about adoption. Sure, so maybe this might be helpful for them.
1: Oh well, I appreciate you. Yeah the the best way I don't know how to explain it is if you sometimes if you go to a theme park, the really awesome ride has a long line. You can get a lightning lane pass or a fast pass or something and jump to the front of the line. Well, you got to pay for that pass. I see. Well, with adoption, you can jump to the front of the line if you spend a lot of money with a handful of agencies that are out there or a lawyer and a lawyer that primarily works in child advocacy. And that's this adoption and foster care. That's their world. We decided for a couple of reasons one because we didn't have the finances how but, much
0: is that that world the fast pass? i don't know
1: i've never looked into it other than 13 years ago when we first started and it was then it was anywhere from 10 to twenty thousand dollars. it's crazy uh, man and that's not anything that has to do with the kids needs that's just the, the administrative process if you will yeah
0: Jeez.
1: So no, we couldn't do that.
0: Yeah, most know? people can't. Yeah, it
1: and so we thought, well, we'll just you know, go through the system duh, 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 duh. and uh, no offense, not throwing shade. I know social workers have a tough job,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but we just couldn't get one that cared about
0: mm.
1: helping us. And so, you know, three and a half, four years in, we were like, you know, this isn't happening, obviously. Mm. And so, we, you know, how you, as Christians, we kind of justify things like, well, the Lord was preparing us for something else. Yeah, That's the only yeah. thing we know to do.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh, my dad had a stroke and was disabled. Mm. And so maybe mm. he's preparing us to care for him. And that my, my parents do live with me. And then there was this, well, maybe we're supposed to be advocates and maybe we're supposed to raise funds and all this other stuff. And we just went about our business. Well, last year, May of 2020, my wife received an email from a friend of ours. The reason I make that correction is because if it would have ended up in my inbox, I don't know if any other dad tired listeners are this way, it would have been three weeks before I saw right.
0: it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah.
1: But my wife got an email from a friend of ours who's in child advocacy.
0: Hmm.
1: And uh, she said, I got a really unique situation here where I got a sibling group. You know, a couple of the kids are considered older and we really need it. It's, I'm trying to keep them out of the system. Hmm. And we were reminded of something, Jared, that I, and I just, how the Lord works sometimes, just his sovereignty, when you can't even see what he's doing, sometimes blows your mind. I had written a book years ago called Reimagine What the World Would Look Like If God Got His Way.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I dedicated that book to the children, plural, that were in our hearts, but not yet in our homes. Mm-hmm. We were just at the beginning of the process. The problem was, in our minds, we were thinking we're going to adopt a kid. Now, all these years later, God was going, no, 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 no. Remember the dedication of the book, children, plural. Mm. You're going to adopt three. We, You thought one, I thought exceedingly abundantly more.
0: Mm.
1: And so we get this email. To be completely honest with you, I work in, a, you're in ministry, I'm in ministry. Nobody gets in ministry, hopefully, to get rich. We were... Yeah. I work in a nonprofit parachurch ministry, just serving the local church, and I just taken a massive pay cut because of the pandemic. And I lead our organizations. I wanted to lead by example, and I wanted to not have to let any team members go. It was a prayer of mine. And so it didn't make any sense on paper that this would happen at this moment. Yeah. But in May of 2020, when we had no idea what the future would hold, and we knew that our present situation was changing, my wife gets this email. No names, no specifics, just some, it's a general email. And the email was designed to, hey, I know y'all are past this stage of life, but could you help connect us with some families? Hmm. And so Chris brings the email, her phone out to me, and she holds it up to me, and she says, I got an idea, but I need you to read this first. For our little family, at that time, our little family, that was the understatement of the pandemic. (laughs) So she, I read the email, kind of sarcastically laughing. Goes, "What's your idea?" She goes, "You know what the idea is. Let's go pray." Mm. And so we got on our knees somewhere on our little property out here in Cow Country, USA, and just asked the Lord if this was what we're supposed to do. And and the only thing I can think of, buddy, is that you know when when John Wesley converted to Christianity and he listened to introduction to Luther's commentary on the Book of Romans being read. Mm. He said that his heart was strangely warmed
0: mm.
1: that's the only way i know how to describe the way we felt when we got back up off our knees we were crying mm. our hearts were warmed we drove to where they lived which is about 10 hours away and met them the next weekend mm. we talked to them every day on the phone and then a very odd group of people who had come around this these kids to protect them i'm talking people who normally wouldn't get together democrats and republicans humanitarians and lawyers, there was like five people. And I can't go into too many specifics, but you would never put these people on the same team. Yeah. And yet they came together to protect these kids. And when we said, let's pull the trigger, let's do this. The Lord did in a month and a half what we couldn't do in three and a half, four years. Mm. So the last day of June, 2020, I flew home with them. Wow. Wow. And they walked into our house and they've never walked out. So that's our story and we're sticking to it.
0: <laughs> and that's incredible, man. You know what, you know what I was thinking of as you were describing that there's so many things that I'm taking away from that story, but one of the things that sticks out is you and your wife praying together, which is something we talk yeah. a lot about on this podcast in our, in the dad tired ministry. And my wife and I were just, we're in a season where there's lots of change and job change and things like that. And it's requiring us to pray more. We're more desperate for the Lord, and so mm. we're we're blessed in that way. We get to seek the Father's wisdom more than we normally would, and prayer just has this way of kind of filtering out stuff. Does like yeah, as you were talking about, your heart's being warmed and like you're crying. Like we're constantly looking for clarity. Everyone, everyone who's listening to this podcast is looking for clarity. God, where do you want me to go today, next, next season, next year, whatever. And we're searching for answers, and we're listen. They listen. We listen to podcasts, and we read books, and we you know do all this stuff to look for clarity. And yet, something crazy happens when you just pray, specifically mm-hmm. with your spouse. Mm-hmm. And there's almost this filtering that happens. It's like it just kind of filters out all the stuff that you thought maybe was important. But as you're praying, and the scriptures talk about this, it's like Holy Spirit almost interceding on your behalf. It's mm-hmm. like it's like the Spirit of God within you is like you're praying for things that that actually matter and it kind of filters out the stuff that well we're probably going to be dead in like 60 years so that that thing that we were really worried about probably yeah. doesn't doesn't matter as much yeah but those three kids matter right yeah. like and your guys part, like those three kids matter a lot more than i just took that pay cut which feels mm-hmm. like a huge deal and it is a huge deal but when you start to compare the things of eternity to that yeah. it just doesn't feel as significant so the only thing i can think of there is the word filtering, like it kind of filters out the, the, the non-essentials yeah. and kind of points you back to the eternal stuff.
1: The, the only thing I'd, I'd add to that, not that anything needs to be added to that, but I've found that when I interact with my wife, it, w- as we're praying and discussing what we're praying about, or having just really important conversations. Anytime we can do it out we can have those conversations or prayers outside mm. And maybe not everybody needs to be outside. But for me, the act of going outside disentangles me from technology. It disentangles me from other voices. It dis- And so when Chris really wants to make sure that we're going to be uninterrupted, <laughs> yeah. we need to spend time together, or we're going to need to go get on our knees somewhere. Most of the time in our 20 years of marriage, it's been we go outside, we go um, on walk. yeah, And I don't know if it's something about... Experiencing special revelation in the context of general revelation Hmm. that works well—I don't know—but I just there does seem to be a correlation there of of being able to focus uh, on each other, yeah, and together focus on the desired will of God. Yeah, uh, when you kind of get divorced from some of the noise,
0: I love that. Hey guys, hope you're enjoying this interview so far. I just want to pause for a minute and thank my friends over at Higher Health for making today's episode possible. I know some of you dads listening may not be giving too much thought about the vitamins that your kids are taking, or maybe you just leave it up to your wife to make those decisions, but I want to challenge you to give this some thought. Higher Health was actually started by two dads who realized the vitamins they were giving their kids were essentially sugar-filled candy in disguise, so they decided to do something about it. Did you know that 93% of kids don't eat enough fruits and vegetables? And we all know that what kids eat instead are chicken fingers, mac and cheese, processed foods, ice cream, and more. And the vitamins that are supposed to fill in those nutritional gaps are based on out-of-date nutritional guidelines from the 1980s. Haya fills in the most common gaps in modern children's diets to provide the full-body nourishment our kids need with a yummy taste they love. My kids absolutely love these vitamins. They're made from 12 farm-fresh fruits and vegetables and supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. Known to help support a healthy immune system, energy levels, brain function, mood, teeth, bones, and more. Most children's vitamins are filled with 5 grams of sugar and can cause a variety of health issues. Haya is made with zero sugar and zero gummy junk, yet it tastes great and is perfect for picky eaters. It's non-GMO, vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, nut-free, and everything else. You can imagine it's manufactured here in the United States with globally sourced ingredients, each selected for optimal bioavailability and absorption. We've worked out an exclusive offer with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. Dad Tired listeners receive 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, you must go to HayaHealth.com forward slash Dad Tired or enter the code DadTired at checkout. That's dot com slash DadTired, Health. Dot com slash dad tired and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Again, go to higherhealth.com forward slash dad tired or enter the promo code dad tired at checkout. I live in Oregon, so it's distracting to go outside sometimes. I start freezing. <laughs> I'm like, uh, Lord, can you warm up the weather, please? Yeah, man, I love that. I love that you, you saw it. Man, if just more husbands would say, I need to pray with my wife and seek wisdom, like if that's all you get from this podcast today, that's probably enough. Yeah. Um, I think we just need more and more guys doing that. I'm curious. There are a lot of people who are listening who are like in the middle of that season that you were just in, you know, so you're like, you've made a decision. You feel like God's prompting you to make a decision to adopt. Then you go through all these years of like, nothing's happening. Maybe the Lord's closing the door. Maybe this is preparing us for something else. There are a lot of people who are still right in the thick of that. And so they're hearing mm-hmm. your story and they're like, "Man, I want the and I'm not just talking about adoption. It's whatever they feel like God's calling right. them to." But they're not at the end yet or they're not at that place where like, "Man, the Lord really answered my prayer." I guess for that person or that couple, like what would you say maybe to them who, who might be feeling a little bit discouraged, they're in the middle of that season like, "God, what do you I thought you put this on our heart. Right. We had I thought we had clarity on this. But like what are you doing?" Yeah. What would you say to that person?
1: I'm a big believer in in having the, not just community, but the right kind of community. Yeah, for sure. There's something about being around the saints of God who love you, who care about your journey, but their story can say something to you that encourages you and also can provide you with a little bit of clarity. Maybe not on how everything's going to work out, yeah, but clarity on the fact that you can trust through the ambiguous times. Right. To me, the, the saints with a lot of scars at the end of their journey mm. are the ones that testify loudest to the sovereignty of God and the sufficiency of Christ. Yep. And so in our lives, at least, and we got a lot of hopefully living left to do, but allowing some couples, really, there's only a couple, two couples that we ask to walk with us and to speak into our lives at really specific to always, but at really specific times so the wisdom of those who have gone before us, I think, is an, is an often unutilized asset that's just right there. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so I'd say one wisdom one. from those who have gone before us. Yeah. And then I would also say uh, wisdom of those who have come, that lived long ago mm. and left something behind. I'm not trying to sound like a nerd here, but I, I think that studying history, or at least certain people in history is the key to a locked door oftentimes. And so there are those who have lived, that have struggled in many ways the way we struggle because there is nothing new under the sun. Yeah, And there's a lot there to be gleaned from. So those who are just ahead of you in the story and maybe those whose stories are just sitting there in in history waiting for somebody to glean something from them.
0: I love that. Because I think that what that does is it reminds you that this story is bigger than just you. Like God has been faithfully at work for a long time, you know, and we can get sucked into the, the lie that this whole thing revolves around us and it doesn't. And it's like, Oh, a couple hundred years ago, there were people who were really struggling with decisions and trying to follow Christ and all that kind of stuff. So I love that. And I always say too, like, I love the point you made about making these decisions in the context of community, making big decisions with nobody around you is foolish and making, and making decisions with too many people around you is chaotic. So I love that you said just like pick two couples that have maybe gone yeah. ahead of you and Hey, we're going to go through this season of change. Can you join us in prayer and can we seek your wisdom? Yeah. I love that, man. Sometimes I hate even bringing COVID up. Like, cause I think yeah. people, you know, getting old. Yeah. it's getting old and people are just like, dude, can we just stop talking about this? Yeah. And depending on what part of the country you're in, it might be in your face daily. And for others, it's like, I don't even remember that we're in the middle of this pandemic. So I'm always hesitant to bring it up, but Personally, I feel this sense of kind of unsettled. It's still kind of like, okay, when are, are we back to normal? Or are we not back to normal, you know? Especially like, and everyone feels the ramifications of being in this pandemic or whatever you know we're in in some way, mm-hmm. shape, or form. So for like me personally, I'm traveling a lot, so I'm mm-hmm. constantly like, do Am I can I travel? Can I not travel? What restrictions are you know? So there's like that's how it's affecting me. My wife's a nurse, so there's you know all the the, the medical side of working at a hospital and things like that. So there's part of me in my day-to-day consciousness I'm thinking through are we back to normal is this a new normal it just kind of leaves you feeling like you're like standing on sand you know we haven't really found a footing on solid ground yet and I know you wrote a book about that recently mm-hmm. and just like the the new normal is this normal like how do we adjust to life after covid and mm-hmm. anyway you wrote some like here's some speaking of like people in the past, ancient truths that Jesus gave our leader, our follower, our savior, our king. He gave some stuff that's like wisdom that's beyond a 2020 pandemic. And so I'd love to just kind of pick your brain on stuff that you talked about in that book. And okay. How do we find normalcy or like what does it look like, I guess, to be a disciple of King mm-hmm. Jesus in 2021 in our current climate?
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, I, th- I think we've got to realize that there's not a question we can come up with that Jesus can't handle. Mm. There's not a scenario that we can bring to him that is going to catch him by surprise. Yeah. And so as we all individually struggle with the pandemic or the zombie apocalypse or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. There is an invitation from our Lord and Savior. If you're weary, if you're that burden, you know, bring it to me. Right. I can shoulder that. In fact, my burden's light. The one I'm going to give you is light. And actually, in me, you can find rest and not just rest for your part of your being, but all of your being, which is why he mentions rest for your soul. And so I I think there's. Can
0: I? I, I'm, dude, I'm so sorry to interrupt you here. I just want every guy who's listening because we hear that verse so often. Mm -hmm. But man, I just want you, if you're listening right now and your soul feels tired and weary, like just. Come back to the good news that Jesus offers you rest. Yes. If you're just like, man, my soul, not like dad tired, I could use a nap, but I mean like your soul needs rest. If you're there right now, do you just like as a listener, just stop. As you heard Brent, just say those words that you've probably heard a million times. Just stop right now, driving the car, mowing the lawn, whatever you're doing. And just ask, maybe even just like pray, Lord, I need that. I believe mm-hmm. you when you say that you can offer my soul rest, and I need it. Mm-hmm. And maybe just like right now, in the middle of this podcast, you just need to ask the Lord to give your soul rest. Sorry, Brent, I didn't no. want guys to miss that powerful truth, man. Yeah, what were you gonna say, man?
1: Man, I don't know because that was awesome. What you just? Said. But, uh, <laughs> no, I I think that you know you got to start with the fact that there's not anything we're struggling with that's going to catch our Savior by surprise. And so if we bring that to him, whatever our struggle and whatever our scenario, he's got a rest that is custom and tailor-made for our soul from him. With that in mind, one of the questions that I, I took to the scriptures, particularly to the teachings of Jesus, was what does it look like to emerge from this once in a hundred years experience we've been here before as humanity right i mean i was in in a i was in a discussion with a friend of mine yesterday whose grandmother was old enough to remember the spanish flu you know or spanish influenza pandemic right and her perspective on it was man this is tough people are sick stuff like this happens and we'll make it through right it wasn't freak out you know and Right, And so I think that we've got to be able to bring that question to Jesus, which is what, what I tried to do with this book. And the reality is, the more I studied, the more I realized that in Jesus's context, he was speaking to an oppressed people, mm. most of whom were not looking for a renegade rabbi from the backside of nowhere to be their Messiah. Right. Most were looking for somebody who was a strong, there was a lot of blurring lines between religious Government leadership, that's what the Sanhedrin was all about, the governing body for the Jewish religion and the Jewish people. But so they wanted a strong figure. There was a small group that even thought it may be a military figure. And yet, what emerges on the scene as the child that would be born and the son that would be given was somebody from such a remote place, a humble place, and someone who's not going to come marching in with this big parade and everybody look at me and I'm now here, everything's going to be okay. I'm a giant leader.
0: Right.
1: But Eugene Peterson said it like this in the message in John one, that, that God put on flesh and moved into humanity's neighborhood. Yeah. I've always loved that, that the way he said that he just kind of moved into the neighborhood with us. Yeah. And as he is ministering in an oppressed, to, to impress people, they're wondering, How are we going to get through this pandemic of our own? How are we going to get out of this? We live under the boot of the Roman empire or the first order of the ancient world. If you're a star Wars fan, (laughs) we have no idea how we're going to get through. We have no idea when this oppression is going to end. There are people who are unhappy Mm. and they feel the weight of their circumstances daily. Yeah. Now the Jewish people, like all of humanity, we all suffer. One thing humanity has in common down through the ages is we all suffer from short-term memory loss.
0: That's right.
1: So we all, all always think that the answer is just around the bend. Yep. And the Jewish people kept wanting, there's going to be hope. There's going to be an answer. We're going to get out of this. We're going to get through it. And, and finally this answer shows up and it's nothing what they had thought. Yeah. And, and, and yet as he taught and has he not just taught the kingdom of God, but he, he bid them to come and to follow him. Hmm. He was saying, come and let's go on a journey. And at the end of that journey, we end in the heaven country. But somewhere between the beginning of that journey and the heaven country, you will find yourself emerging from your present situation. Mm. And when you decide to go on this journey, then the theme of your life all becomes, when are we going to get out of this? it? doesn't not when are we going to get out of this oppression? But man, the best is always yet to come. Mm. And so Jesus really did have a lot to say for navigating uncertainty, navigating There's some pretty trying times. And what I discovered is that he uh, he was very quick to use some old recipes from the old, you know, the covenants of the Old Testament as he began to prescribe a new normal for moving forward. And I think that we just simply need to take that question to him again. And I think that he has a paradigm and ethic, if you will, for living that's going to make sense to us. But more importantly than that, it's a paradigm for living that has always worked. Yeah. So that's what I did with this book. And and there was a lot to be gleaned, obviously, from the words of Jesus.
0: I love it, man. And you kind of narrowed it down to like 10 things Mm -hmm. in the book. Can you give us like, we don't have time to go through all 10. Plus, we want guys to pick up a copy of the book and go through it. Yeah. But maybe give us like one or two that kind of stick out to you at the top of your
1: mind. Yeah. Well, as I wrote the whole thing. You know, there's a C.S. Lewis once said people need to be reminded more than they need to be taught. Mm. What I've discovered as I was writing it is I was as I researched, as I studied the word of God, as I studied Jesus teaching, I'm going, I knew that at one point. I just forgot it. Right. Or I didn't think about it. I let it kind of get lost in the dustbin of my mind. Right. But the truth is, I need to be reminded of of what I was studying more than 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 I need to be taught. Oh, I I mean, I need to learn it. So I guess being reminded is a form of teaching. But I think what Lewis was getting at is is so much of what we do is helping people remember what they already know or have Mm -hmm. been taught. And so, you know, there's two two topics that jump just out at me. One was the topic of rest. And Jesus actually prescribes not just rest for, you know, when I hear, when I, when I think of the Dad Tired podcast, I, I think of you're trying to help dads be the best version of themselves. And the only way they can do that is if they have a healthy understanding of rest. And there's, there's like, there's like five kinds of rest that the Bible talks about. Mm. And boy, the Jewish people knew how to get away. Mm. They caught their vacations were called festivals, but they did three a year. And so there was always this sense of anticipation. I'm going to get away and I'm going to just celebrate.
0: Yeah.
1: And I get to do that three times a year. And then, uh, you know, there was pilgrimages to Jerusalem. There was days in which they rested. They had such a healthy view of rest. But Jesus was reminding the Jewish people, hey, man, I've already given you. God has already given you a rest cycle, a rhythm of rest. Yeah. Let me help you rediscover what that is. He was reminding them. So rest was a big one for me uh, on, and then,
0: on, on yeah. the rest piece. I, uh, I think it was Tim Keller. I it might've been Tim Keller that said this, but like we tried to, the way that we've currently set it up rest is we try to work, 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 work. And then like cram in weeks. we you normally get like two weeks of vacation. So it's like, well, if I just go away for a week or get away for yeah. 10 days and I'll kind of refill and then go back to work. And it's just, that's not at all the way God set up rest. I mean, there's like daily rest, there's weekly rest. There's like, you know, the seasonal rest. And so we just, there's a reason why guys will take a family vacation or get away for on a hunting trip or something. And you come back and you're like more tired than when you yeah. left, you know, that, that's not soul yeah. rest. Yeah, the old
1: like, adage, I need a vacation from my day. Exactly, vacation. exactly. Yeah you, yeah. you don't have rhythm of rests if that's yeah, the
0: way. You yeah, yeah, that's not at all the way God set things up. So I think that's what you're describing there. And it and it's refreshing to look back and it's like, okay, there was there were people who understood how vital rest was. And, and we're again, we're not just talking about a nap. We're talking about yeah. like soul rest and how the body interacts with your soul being rest like all of it with shalom as they would say. And that's mm-hmm. a it's a it's a bigger word to describe that like you're you overall you've got this deep sense of rest. So anyway, so that was the first one. I love that one. What what was the second thing that came to your mind? Yeah, yeah,
1: that, that's a lifestyle, a rhythm of rest. The second one was the contentment piece. Hmm. I don't know if it's because I'm a you know we're Americans or Westerners where hmm. there's some, there's an individualism that's built into our cultural DNA that seems to oftentimes us the the but uh, the, the notion of contentment is, is one that I've struggled with much of my life because I really do want to accomplish some things with my life. I really do want to be a driver. I de- is that all bad? And what does it look like to be somebody who works hard, who has, is goal oriented, who has uh, some visions and dreams and things you want to accomplish? But yet at the same time, how do I pursue that and be content? At yeah, this um, simultaneously yeah, i came across you i know you've probably jared read brennan manning at some point
0: mm-hmm.
1: and there was but i never had read the i think it was one of his last books the furious longing of god
0: i have it on my shelf and like i cleared out all my books and kept that one but i haven't read it
1: i'm glad you kept it it's not yeah. a it's not a thick book but the, there was a, a climactic moment in the book in which he, he's talking a little bit about contentment and he asks his readers to pray a seven syllable prayer.
0: Mm.
1: Abba, I belong to you.
0: Mm.
1: And he, uh, he asked, I think it was like, if you'll pr- like a month or something like that, but sit down for 10 minutes by yourself, eyes closed course. He said that it's seven syllables. So it corresponds with the rhythm of your breathing, mm. but take 10 minutes a day in a quiet place you know jesus with rest said to the disciples let's get away to a lonely place yeah quiet place not the movie but an actual quiet place and let's go and be still and then and what brenning or manning was saying is hey and when you get to that place say i'm going to guard 10 minutes and i'm going to pray one prayer over and over again and there's a contentment that'll, that'll eventually come with praying that prayer mm. I did that for a month I thought it was weird at first like I, it's not how I normally think in my mind I'm going no I you know I have a system by which I pray and why would I be repetitive I already said it once to God I mean none of that made any sense to me <laughs> right right. but I did it for a month where I just got alone and, and I let that correspond with the rhythm of breathing Abba I belong to you Mm. and for 10 minutes a day. And I'm telling you, I don't know, I can't say on this day, the light bulb went off or no, I just, something happened over that month Mm. in which that truth became more about, became less about something I'm trying to communicate to God and something I realized God all along has been trying to communicate to me.
0: Mm.
1: And when that happens, you can't help be be content because at that point you realized, you realize, excuse me, that you have climbed up into the lap of God, the father, Wow. and you've rested your head against his chest and he never fatigues. Wow. There's a contentment to be found in, in that place. So that one, that one kind of hit me square in the eyes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think, man, I was just talking to a guy this week and what he said was powerful or maybe, um, it was heavy, but it's not just, the heaviness wasn't just in what he said, but I think it, what it how it represented so many guys. He was basically saying like, I just, I feel like I'm in this season where I don't know what I'm really doing as a dad, as a husband, work-wise. I just kind of feel like I'm floundering. At the core of that is discontentment. I'm not content with where my life is. Man, I would bet a lot of dudes listening to this podcast right now would say, yep, feel that. Like, I love my wife, got a great wife, love my kids. My kids are awesome. Love being around them. Got a decent job is paying me well roof over my head, but something in my soul is not satisfied Yeah, and they're just looking for more. And I think there, there's so much nuance to that. I do think God calls us into like these kingdom adventures where adoption is one of those. Like, what are you doing? That's bigger than yourself. That scares you Mm -hmm. a little bit. I think your soul, part of that discontentment is your soul's wanting to be part of kingdom stuff, but also, and I wrestle with this balancing that reality with dude, can you just be content being like a dad and a husband and being faithful disciple of Jesus and, and letting him in the mundane disciple, your heart. And is that enough for your soul to be? Rested,
1: yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah, I don't, know, I don't just, know the answer to that. If Christ is sufficient, which is the theme of, I think, the whole Bible, but certainly the yeah. theme of the book of Philippians, the Colossians, but if Christ is sufficient, he's not just sufficient when everything's on the line, he's yeah. sufficient when it's a normal day and you're just frustrated with traffic. Mm-hmm. That's why that prayer was so helpful to me, Abba, I belong to you the word Abba being the, the term for God that means father, right. Abba, I belong to you is because it allows me to realize on the days that are a big deal and big things are happening. And on the days that kind of get lost in the annals of time, Yeah, I belong. My joy is found. My satisfaction is found. I.e. My contentment mm-hmm. is experienced in something that will infinitely outlast my life here on earth.
0: And I'm not sure we can end on anything better than that <laughs> truth and that reality, man. That is a good word. I'm going to, I'm going to steal it. I'm going to try it. Maybe I'll text you and be like, dude, this is a uh, I don't just know do. what kind of voodoo you're spitting over here. That's not voodoo. That, you know, <laughs> that was too far. You know, just like.
1: If it's that, bad, bro, blame
0: Brennan Manning. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, you, just, You're yeah. just passing it along. Yeah. I think that, man, we one of the most simple spiritual disciplines that we've lost is just to sit in silence with the Lord, to mm-hmm. just be quiet. I love that you said not in front of a movie. Don't put the game on and try to do this. Like go to a lonely place, be with Jesus. And you don't need to pray these like long, lengthy, 10 minute, fancy prayers. Yeah. Just say these seven syllables. Brent, so glad to have you here, man. 10 steps to your best life. New book that just came out. I encourage everyone to go read that. That The, the, the um, point us back to all 10 of those things that Jesus gave that are really timeless doesn't matter if we're in the middle of COVID or the next thing or whatever, you know, a hundred years from now or a hundred years ago, like there's always something and God's truth and his gospel truth for the way that humans are supposed to flourish under kingdom reign of Jesus is, uh, it stands the test of time. So I want everyone to go pick up that copy of that book and hopefully leave a review on Amazon or wherever they buy it from. And man, I, as always, we didn't get into all the stuff I would have loved to talk to you about because I, I think I read. You like went out and moved to a farm or something? I think. Did Yo, I? Mean, yeah. you, like, you moved to a farm in or outside of Orlando? Is that even a thing? Yeah, man. That's I'm in not cow real.
1: Country. Like, as I've been sitting here, four donkeys have walked past, two cows, <laughs> and a bunch of chickens. So it's, I'm in cow country, USA. Yeah, but we, it's in Florida. It is, man. I just once never imagined. I never, cities, imag- I never Yeah, imagined. once you get out of the major cities, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of cow country, man. There's swamp. Really? In cow country. Yeah.
0: Swamp yeah. makes sense. Like, I imagine like an alligator walking by your window, but I just, you know, yeah, cows and chickens and stuff.
1: I cannot say, confirm, or deny what's happened to alligators that have come into our yard because it's highly illegal to deal with them. But sometimes okay. dads have to deal with business. Okay.
0: I, before we wrap up, I have to ask you about this. I am moving and I have yet to announce publicly where I'm moving to, but there are alligators where I'm moving. <laughs> So, so we're narrowing it down to, uh, about three States here. This is also terrible. Me and my kids, like our, one of our Sabbath (laughs) guys are going to judge me so hard on this right now. One of our like Sabbath traditions is to watch a cops episode. Like we we cook a big dinner, we eat, and then we all go into the bonus room and we sit down and the kids watch cops. And I don't think this is probably not my best discipling moment. For for like teaching my kids about the world. Anyway, we watch a cops. It was a the last one we watched. There was an alligator in this guy's property, and so they're having to figure out how to get rid of this alligator. And I thought to myself, how do you can you shoot an alligator? Are you allowed to shoot it? Are you what do you, what are the laws?
1: As far as I understand, according to the law, if your life is in danger
0: which is always true if there's an allegory. That's kind of how I interpret it.
1: (laughs) Then you're allowed to, but if it's not and you're hunting them without the proper
0: No, I'm not trying to find the thing, but if it's within 60 yards of my child, I feel I'm in danger.
1: All right. Are you ready for a very quick, like this is terrible. Like I could get arrested, but it's worth it. That's exactly what I was hoping for in this
0: podcast. Yes. All right.
1: So the day we bring our new kids home, Like the day we bring everybody, we finally get everybody to bed that night. It's seven o'clock the next morning. There's a pond out in my front yard. Okay. Never had an alligator in the pond ever on the back of our property is where a lake is that connects to a a, a river called the St. John's river, which is just alligator central here in Florida. So my wife comes waking me up and she's like, there's an alligator in the pond and our new babies are not going to see an alligator when they get up. And it killed one of her pretty white ducks that she asked. Oh, my she goes, gosh. I okay. said, well, sweetie, we'll call somebody, but, you know, it's illegal. She goes, I, I, uh-uh, uh-uh. And of course, she's Italian, right? And there's <laughs> yes. some stereotypes that are true. Italians either love you or kill you. That's what an <laughs> Italian told me. That's not me judging them, right? Like, there's no in between. And so she goes, you go out there and be a man and do what you got to do.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. She threw it out. Okay. And I'm like, I, I take my oldest son. who's Who's how old at
1: that point he's 14
0: okay yeah it's plenty old yeah
1: plenty old. so I take him out there I know the law is you got to have a life in danger so I'm like hey bro do you trust your dad and he's like oh yeah 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 I said okay there's an alligator in the pond it's pretty aggressive I've already been out here looking at it pretty aggressive I need you to sit right here on the bank (laughs) of the pond in about five minutes in he's going to pop his head up just off the shore curious of what you're doing don't worry about it <laughs> you're fine i'm gonna, gonna be, be standing fine. off to the side I love and i'm this. gonna blast yeah. him out of the water as soon as he does and he's like uh oh oh, oh okay dad sure oh, yeah
0: this is so right he, of passage use, stuff this is like yeah, you're, you're, i use
1: my 14 year old son as bait yeah. put him on the shore and sure enough within 10 minutes this alligator oh, head pops up and as soon as it Came out of the water, man. I was standing off to the side because he was what'd you, looking at what would you have.
0: What'd you shoot him? with?
1: Well, you're supposed to have like a, a rifle, which I don't own. Okay. We're not gun people, man. Okay. I mean, like yeah. I moved to the country and I killed a big snake. And one of my neighbors like, you need a gun for that, son. And I'm like, we're not <laughs> gun people, sir. <laughs> okay. He goes, well, I understand it. But out here, if you're not gun people, you're hospital people.
0: Uh-huh. And so, yeah. okay.
1: So I bought a shotgun. Yeah. So it took a few times to send it to alligator heaven but a life was technically in danger.
0: Of course you were fully justified. I mean, how many of those are being fought in court? You know, uh, we're we're probably, I'm probably never going to have an episode after this. I'll probably, if I'm
1: on the next cops episode, if you're discipling (laughs) your children,
0: I will bring it back full circle. (laughs) This guy loves Jesus. He was teaching his son. Dude, that's hilarious, man. What did, what kind of, was it a 12 gauge shotgun? Yeah. And were you using birdshot or the, just bird shot, man. Oh, that's yeah, like you so had to shoot a down. lot. Yeah,
1: I'm like, you probably had to use yeah. a lot because I've been alligator hunting legally.
0: Oh. And
1: you hook them, you pull them in to the boat. When you get them close to the boat, you take a rifle and you, know, you shoot them in the brain. Yeah, I mean, I've been alligator hunting, killed big ones, and it's a lot of fun. And if you kill the right size, great, it's good meat. And
0: you know, it's, really,
1: it's, uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. But yeah, they Dude, just got that's... this one little spot where you can shoot them and kill them.
0: Well, I, I learned on that cops episode, we're going down deeper rabbit trail here, alligator trail, but I learned on that, that episode that, that to close their mouth is so simple. Like they don't, the jaw, yeah. once it's clamped down they're they're clamped, but to just to push their mouth down is actually, doesn't take much force at all that's Or because the right they can't, spot. because they can't bring it up. Yeah. That right.
1: I think it's something about their nose pressure on their nose. They can't bring it up. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> just
0: get the, just get the shotgun, dude. That's intense, man. That actually might be a better way to end the podcast. There, that's a better way to end it, right there. <laughs> I <appreciate you> sharing <laughs> that story. Well, if I'm in Florida, could you? Well, oh, I won't give away your location, but if I'm next time I'm in Florida, man, maybe I'll I'll hit you up. Hit me farms. up. We'll hang we'll out on the farm a little bit, dude. We'll thank do you it. so much, man. This has been a lot of fun. I appreciate you taking the time to do this. Thank you, my friend. Thanks again for listening to the Dad Tired Podcast. I hope that episode was helpful for you as you learn to lead your family well. Just as a reminder, if you'd love to partner with us, we would love to have you join us. You can do that by going to dadtired.com forward slash give. Again, that's dadtired.com forward slash give. Love you guys. We'll see you next week.